The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Right now, uh, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Duncan Bullivant to the show. He's a former British Army officer and diplomat and CEO of Henderson Risk Group. Duncan, people would have seen the uh, news here in the last 24 hours or so about Ukrainian forces having driven Russian forces back in the northeast of the country in this rapid offensive. How do you assess what's happening at the moment? Well, it's a, it's a pretty remarkable state of affairs. And I think it's all credit in many ways to a lot of the training that has been undergone with the Ukrainian armed forces from 2014 onwards, actually. But you may recall that fairly recently, Ukrainian forces have been trained all over Europe, actually, in a lot of NATO countries, and have now come back on the ground. Because what you're seeing now, the only way that they can achieve what they have achieved is through what is known as uh, combined arms efforts. In other words, they've coordinated their artillery, their logistics, their armor and their infantry. So they have maximum impact at at the right place and the right time on the battlefield. Now, underscoring all this at the same time has been a massive deception operation uh, to the south of the country. Um, I think you may recall also that over the last few weeks, everybody's been talking about an offensive in the south near Kherson, and the possibility of of the Ukrainians driving the Russians back over the bridge to to Crimea. And and that would appear to have been a a significant deception to draw Russian reserves and and Russian forces down to that region, when in actual fact, the main effort was going to come in through the north and and northeast. This all reflects pretty badly on the Russians then, doesn't it? To fall for that feint and then to be pushed back uh, to the degree it has been o- over 48 Some, hours or so. Yeah, something has gone something has gone very badly wrong in, in the Russian leadership of this operation almost from day one. We're, we're at 200 days now, if I remember rightly. And I think it's fair to say that from a strategic point of view, it's been a disaster. I mean, first of all, their, their, initial, their initial objective failed. They then focused on the east uh, and now in the face of well-organized and well-equipped. And let's not, let's not ignore the fact that Ukraine have got their hands on some pretty high-tech military equipment now from, from NATO allies. Uh, but in the face of this, the R- Russian leadership seems to have, have collapsed. There are even unsubstantiated stories at the moment of senior Russian officers evacuating their families uh, from, from the Crimea, because Crimea, of course, has, has been a, a, a fairly standard posting for, for um, Russian military in, uh, since 2014. So families have traveled there with them. But there was a spate of, um, of Russian tourists leaving the Crimea in the summer after various Ukrainian attacks on, on, on the airfields there. And now it would appear that, that established Russian forces are, are, are deciding to pull their families out because they, what, what they probably fear at this point, and this, I think this is the most significant issue here, is is the psychological impact of, of this advance, uh, and and its and its pace and its magnitude will 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 create panic in the ranks uh, in the Russian ranks because they haven't really been on the receiving end of anything quite like this since the war began, uh, and if they can't quell that panic, and if that panic spreads, then something quite dramatic could happen in the south of the country as well. And, and to to what degree? Do the Ukrainian forces rely on that panic spreading? I mean, without it, how realistic is it that they can continue to push the Russians back? Certainly at the pace they have in the last few days. Look, the, the, there's a natural limit 
to what the Ukrainians can achieve because they're, you know, they're creating long lines of logistics. You know, they're, cre- they're creating, there's, you know, there's wear and tear on, on equipment and on people. You can't really keep this up for much more than four or five days. People need sleep. Ammunition needs to be replenished. Fuel needs to re- reach the, f- the forward elements. But I think it's, it's fair to say at this stage that the, Ukra- the Ukrainians are fighting such a, such a sophisticated campaign now that it may well be that there's a, there's a, there is a strategic pause in the north and then for the Ukrainians to focus their efforts back on the south again. Don't forget the, the feint or, or the deception in the south around Kherson was actually achieving quite a lot. They were, they were taking territory back off, off the Russians and a lot of Russian units were breaking and, 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 and running away from, from the battlefield. So if that if that pressure is maintained, it, it's it's it, I'm not going to predict what's going to happen. I would never dream of doing that. But I would say that the Russians' biggest challenge now is to reorganize, to regroup, to gather together what they can in, in, to, to put in, in a counterattack. If you don't counterattack under these circumstances quickly, then the the the, the guys doing the attacking have the upper hand. And don't mm-hmm. forget the other thing. The other thing to bear in mind here is that the Ukrainians aren't invading anywhere. They're retaking their own territory. So they're being met, by and large, by friendly villages, towns, and communities who are very happy to be relieved. They don't have the same problems that the Russians have got having to look over their shoulder the whole time. It's a very, it's a very, very different type of, 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 of conflict, this. You, you, you described the Ukrainians as sophisticated. I mean, by comparison and by implication, are, are the Russians primitive in, in their approach? Look, what is, you know, I think it's widely accepted now that the, a lot of the money that was the billions and billions of dollars that was plowed into the Russian defense industry in the last 20 years, a lot of that is, is, is sitting anchored uh, you know, in, 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 um, in the Mediterranean or in Turkey in the, in the form of large um, yachts. Uh, it was embezzled. So the, I think it's, it's, it's reasonable to assume that Putin and his political leadership assumed they had the techno, technological upper hand. But in actual fact, it soon turned out in many ways that they've been fighting this war with equipment that was mothballed at the end of the Cold War. And whilst the, Russians are, the Russian defense industry is in certain areas very advanced, it still relies on importing micro, uh, microchips. It still relies on on Western supplied equipment for its more sophisticated um, bits of kit. Now, there are reports at the moment that, that the Ukrainians are shooting down Iranian-built drones. Um, and we know that the Chinese have been, have been supplying uh, fuel and, and, and ammunition in certain areas. But from a military point of view, all that technology and all that, all that equipment is fine. And, and they have got vast amounts of reserves. But it's got to be in the right place at the right time. It's, it's, got to be, it's got to be utilized by people who have got a plan, whose communication systems are intact. And the other thing to, to bear in mind in, in this particular moment is that the Ukrainians have been making very good use of the long-range missile systems that have been provided for them by, by, by the Americans and, 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 and others to hit the command and control centers that the Russians have set up, damaging their ability to fight the war, and also their logistics centers which means the Russians haven't been able to resupply their most important weapon, which is artillery. Uh, and the mm. Russian retaliation at the moment is, is, to, is to shell villages on uh, a liberal basis. Uh, the, the, the weather in, in Kiev at the moment is still 
fairly temperate. I think it's kind of high teens, but it's a little bit wet. How conscious, though, are all sides in this conflict going to be of the looming winter? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the fighting season, such as it is, bearing in mind this is a fairly, this is still quite a young war, that the fighting season, both sides will, will be looking at the practicalities of, of fighting this war into late autumn and, and the winter. Because once the ground, once, once the rains come, and we saw this actually, it played to the Ukrainians' advantage at the beginning of the campaign because, of course, we were coming out of winter uh, and the ground was thawing and, 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 and the mud bogged down a lot of Russian vehicles every time they tried to move off roads. Well, very, the, once the rains come in the next month or so, it'll, it'll be a very similar state of affairs. So mobility will be reduced. And then once the winter comes, mobility res- will be reduced even further. And, and I think we'll end up with some sort of stalemate in, term, in terms of territorial gains. Having said that, of course, by then, yeah, we'll have seen what the full Russian response to this is. And, you know, we, 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 we hope it is as, as quite frankly, as, as, as lame as it, as, as it has been up until now, and then it doesn't progress into something more sinister. Um, by more sinister, what do you mean? A reliance on uh, more sinister weapons, well, the, nuclear weapons? The, the, there, is still, there, is, there is still potential. If, if, if Russia feels threatened or if Russia feels that, this is a route, and it's and and this is going to, this is let's say it's a domino effect. Let, let's say for for the sake of argument, and it and it may be, maybe a flight of fantasy. That let's just say that the Ukrainian offensive is so successful and continues to be so successful over the next few weeks that Russia is starting to fall apart, and the Russian army is elements of it are deserting on mass. And then, and and the next thing that you know that they're looking at is the Crimea perhaps being retaken. At that point, there's going to be a political decision to say, hey, we need to stop this. And, the, and, the, and in Russian tactical terms, in their doctrinal terms, what they teach is, that, is the way you stop this is you use a tactical nuclear weapon. You choose a couple of targets and you drop. No, I'm, you know, we're, talking about, we're not talking about weapons the size of Hiroshima, but you know, still pretty, pretty offensive and diabolical weapons systems. But, you know, Russia does something stupid. Russia uses a tactical weapon, nuclear weapon, and everyone, the world stops momentarily. Or they do something stupid to one of the nuclear power stations, and the world stops, and there's pressure, political pressure put on both sides to stop the war. I think we, we, we've got to continue to interrogate and look at the potential for this thing to, to get out of control, regardless of, of, of how much goodwill there is towards the Ukrainians at this stage of the game. Duncan, listen, it's, it's always interesting uh, talking to you and getting your views. Duncan Bullivant is a former British Army officer and diplomat and he's CEO of Henderson Risk Group. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.